So the plane takes off. It's 1996 and I'm 17. My age was disconcerting. Utterly disconcerting for me, that is. Everywhere I was underage. Underage to accompany my fellow man into the night. But not underage for early morning lectures on commercial law and not underage to convince the smug Singaporean that India doesn't just run on bullock cards in a business communication presentation. But I was here to do much more. I was here to look the Western civilization in the eyes and recognize some of me in its face. I was an Indian by ideology a child of Hindu upbringing and the infant of a global village whose straw huts were still being built on raw HTML. Mother India, I thought I knew well. I wanted to understand Lady West. I had to know where the ceiling was, where its floor lay, its width and expanse. I wished to study the slope of her Caucasian nose and the strange color of her hair. And her heights where I'd learned the bald American eagle soars. And why not? Could you believe they sent a man on the moon? Even R.E.M. wondered aloud on the radio. And I wanted to do just that in this outpost of the Western civilization in the Southern Hemisphere where it's winter when it's summer and summer when it's winter. And I do it in Melbourne where there's four seasons in a day. My father had come to drop me off and departed never to return in the three long years I, I spent down under. No one came once, although I'd return every year. Not even for graduation. For that matter, even I didn't attend my graduation. In London for a post-course completion holiday, Three years hence, in 1999, my father questioned my ability to recite the National Anthem of India. I had never managed to unlearn the National Anthem, which we repeated as students every morning for 12 long years of school. I'd managed to not unlearn it through three years of management studies with some banking law thrown in for good measure, or through headbanging at a Metallica concert and waking up the next evening being able to move just enough to inquire the health of the neck of a friend who had accompanied me. Through oh so many gloomy cold Melbourne nights with Antarctic blasts hitting Australia's southeastern shores. Through bitter Victoria Bitter, 
through 11 distinct residences including a night with all I owned in a car through quoting a dead mad German philosopher in a business information technology and systems exam and garnering my only and first high distinction through heading up to Great Ocean Road at midnight returning from halfway up and 250 kilometers away to drop off an obstinate buddy for work then sleeping for an hour or two picking up another buddy and driving up again and still not making Great Ocean Road through all the comedy of a nation whose favorite color ought to be yellow i remembered the words of jana gana mana in retrospect did i understand even one word of the national anthem actually no Things were changing a lot back in the 90s, the late 90s. But what was changing the most was that the world was going mobile. That was big. I got hooked to seeing a friend walk down Chinatown discussing his father's golf game being played in Singapore as he spoke. You see, we grew up on the black rotary dial monstrosity. of a telephone but now you could be plugged in wherever in the world you were with the ongoing elsewhere anywhere really the mobile internet was still half a decade or so away just this much was enough a neighbor in delhi the country manager of nokia gifted us our first instrument back in 1994 maybe for use of course exclusively by my father as children we played snake on it and that was it that was the extent i think i surprised my grandmother once by calling her to intimate her of our arrival later in the day all while parked outside her house those with little joys are surprised as mobile became a way of life but this mobile business was far more serious for time is relative as physics students learn here space itself was being dissolved and so if any 
Gandhian tendency was to take root in me as a result of the separation from the motherland in me, it wasn't going to be. Melbourne wasn't a huge city. Its skyline wasn't comparable to New York or Hong Kong. But Australia isn't huge, except for its landmass. The entire population of the continent assembles in Mumbai on any given weekday lunch hour. Yet, its GDP is comparable to India's. And in the 90s, it was as good as it got. There were large, impressive highways crisscrossing through its wine countries, deserts, cities. Upon returning from my first vacation back home for the summer, we drove up to Adelaide for a friend's girlfriend had to be visited. I insisted we all share the driving load. I was given the wheel of the car past midnight and my co-passengers, both of them, promptly fell asleep. So there I was at a hundred kilometers per hour, mercifully on the left side of the road as we were in a commonwealth, heading into the dark. I was no coffee drinker then and haven't been one for most of these years. Even if there were layover pit stops, I was racing past them within speed limits of course. Back on the highway at 2 a.m. with still over 400 kilometers to go, the two-sided eight lanes had dwindled to a two-way, two-lane road with no dividers. I guess we were in the Aussie outback now. I was suddenly woken up from sleep by the honking of a car which sped by right past my driver's side window at a relative speed of 200. It was a rude shock, but we were alive. I let it pass. I had yet to awaken, figuratively speaking. A couple of days later, the drive back from Adelaide saw a full moon hanging low on the distant outback horizon of a cool outback evening. I introduced the Bruneian and the Singaporean fellow passengers to 
Lucky Ali's music. They seem to relish it. In retrospect, something had wanted me to carry on. I feel there always is something keeping you alive other than just your own consciousness. We are the universe, an extension of it, arisen from and shaped by the same forces that have shaped the suns, the moons and planets and everything else dead or alive. By virtue of us, the universe is alive. We three would go our separate ways eventually. I suppose all friendships have a transactional element to them. There is love, appreciation, awe, and also perhaps living and playing out of the balance of causal chains that bring folks together. And when the karma is exhausted, amicably, in civil society, friends grow together or they grow apart. One evening, some of his friends went out to fulfill the evening's destiny and watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. The Aussie director had Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes play out a contemporary version of the story. As I look back, Lerman set rocky precedents for us impressionable teens. True to the script he was, and there the blame goes back centuries, and by virtue of that is no blame at all, but Lerman's handling of Romeo's part to Juliet was adulterated ever more so. The drugs are quick. These drugs are quick. Quips Romeo and follows Mercutio to his end. Of course, between that and the end was the love story, whose attempt at veracity is there for four centuries to judge. All this is in retrospect, with hindsight and a, and a review spanning 20 years. For who would have known that India today would feature that same agent of quickened love on its front cover as the millennium would call it quits 
in three short years. And all that transpired in between then and 1999 New Year's forms the substance of my story. Harsh was a year senior in school back in Delhi. I called him up because his open-heartedness was ostensible. His smile was truly latitudinal and his voice came laden with some kind of firmness from the navel up. He invited me to the Hard Rock Cafe in Melbourne which was all the better because a leather jacket had to be broken into. What my God-revering, ever-vegetarian, always pleading me to stay away and out of McDonald's, Hindu, Mami, was thinking when she had that stitched up to size, is unfathomable. What's not unfathomable is the got at 16 posing as 18 driver's license as a valid ID working me through the doors of Hardrock Cafe on Burke Street. I was inside one of Rock's outposts and home. Taking in the memorabilia on the walls, I shook Hersh's hand. Standing at the bar later, the songs through the speakers would have done more to inebriate me than the lubricant in my glass, whatever it was, I can't remember. Beer, probably. I drank beer despite having tasted its bitter body on a winter picnic on farm in Delhi's outskirts under the winter sun as a shandy, a mix of Coca-Cola and beer. In their wisdom, our parents thought it prudent to expose the kids early to foster self-determined choices. In my wisdom as a young boy, I had elected to never again taste this bitter beverage. But I did. We stood talking as alumni of modern school and residents of a city whose rhythms dictated both our pulses. Then she came. She came, a pretty girl from across the bar. She was all Australian, tall, pretty, blue jeans and a red top with contrasts of pink and Caucasian. He was maybe in her hair. She stood very close and ran her finger up and down my jacket's front zip. 
she didn't say much just asked my name said she was standing with her friends across on the other side of the roundish bar and came over on a whim i don't remember speaking much i didn't need to harsh was speaking on my behalf and quite loquaciously at that I imagine every detail except the exact time of my birth was made known to the stranger who eventually flew away with as little ceremony as she arrived with. Looking back, I wish I had obeyed the instinct to keep away from that brew. It wouldn't have been hard in a country where or rather it would have been hard in a country where it was joked that if the locals had it their way it be beer flowing out of taps but do i wish she that that inviting specimen of different race and color hadn't flown my way that chance would have had me standing 2 feet out of her vision span that chance would have had uh, this goes back to infinity Of course I don't. I can't. Yes, to woman. Always. She can come as she is as a blinding tufan or a light breeze just enough to shuffle leaves. She can come dancing or racing, she can come as a Himalayan bulbul or something less attractive. She can come as Durga or Saraswati. I would learn eventually to make it a lifelong commitment to allow women to enter my life in any manner they wish it's a hard promise to keep the best a man can do is to allow himself to fail repeatedly i think that's the shortest path to woman who comes finally with no intention to fly away without ceremony I think the last song that played that night before we left Hard Rock was Tom Petty's Last Dance with Mary Jane. God rest his soul. <laughs>